0: Good morning, church family. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you. If we need to add chairs in the coming weeks, that's a good problem to have, right? Fun to see all of you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for making it an important part of your week to be with your church family and to, uh, and to look to Jesus together. Um, all right, we are in a series of messages. The name of the series is? Witnesses. Some of you knew it before the screen had it, right? The series we are in is what? And we are teaching through the Bible book of? Nice. See, I'm, like, I'm getting you going. I'm warming you up so that you can participate and track along. It's always good. In our series through the book of Acts that we've titled Witnesses, uh, in our first week, in our first passage of, of Acts, we came to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that tells us as followers of Jesus that we are to be his Witnesses, testifiers. We are to be proclaimers of Jesus. We are to be ambassadors for Jesus. And elsewhere in Scripture, places significant place, like Matthew twenty-eight. We are reminded that as followers of Jesus, we are to go and make disciples. That we, as followers of Jesus, part of our mission and calling is then to be used by Him to go into our spheres of influence and help other people to become followers of Jesus. So when I say Church family, you are to be witnesses. Go and make disciples. No one jumped up and ran out the door. Now, okay, so we are supposed to be here this morning. This is a good place to be as a church family on Sunday mornings. But when you hear God's word say, go and make disciples, how many of you are ready to just jump up and run out the door with confidence? Whoa. (laughs) For those of you watching online, I didn't see a single hand. Maybe I saw one, but way delayed. No, it's understandable. It's understandable for me, but let's ask uh, let's ask God for help in this area. When God's word calls us as followers of Jesus to go and be His ambassadors, His testifiers, His proclaimers, His witnesses, when God's word commands us that as followers of Jesus we are to go and make disciples, what happens? What what happens inside of us that keeps us from running out the door? Yeah. I think there's lots of stuff that can go on, right? But I think fear is one of them. I think, I think that sometimes we need to be careful that we don't fear man, humans, more than God. I think there is fear of rejection. I think there is fear of being mocked. If we share our faith, if we talk about Jesus, if we talk about the difference Jesus has made in our life, do we fear that we'll be persecuted, that there'd be consequences in our jobs or in our schools? Do we uh, fear broken relationships? Does that hold us back? from obeying God's command. Church family, this is in some ways kind of a rough place to start, but let's just, let's just recognize and, and be, on, be okay with being on the same page that these are some of the difficulties that bubble up in our hearts and minds when we hear that we are to be his witnesses. And then let's ask God together what he wants to do about that this morning because I'm gonna suggest that as we look to God's word this morning, we're gonna learn this, that despite adversity, Spirit-filled witnesses, we could put that on the screen for him, please. Despite adversity, spirit-filled witnesses boldly proclaim Jesus. That's what we want to uh, look for and see what God has for us as we study his word this morning. So, if you don't already have your Bible out, grab your Bible or get out your device and open your Bible app and turn with me to Acts chapter 4. And in a moment, we will start at the beginning of Acts chapter 4. So... As always, so encourage you to follow along in God's Word because, uh, as my mentor said, and he probably got it from somewhere else, we want to keep our finger in God's Word. When we come to gather together and hear from God, we want to keep our fingers together in the text, hearing directly from His Word uh, to our hearts and minds this morning. So, hopefully you got your Bible with you, and you can get open to Acts chapter 4. So before we read this morning's passage... Let's just remember a little bit about where we are. If you were with us last Sunday and we studied Acts chapter 3, there was a man disabled from when? Birth. There was a man who had been disabled, who had been unable to walk since birth. And when he encountered the risen Christ through his people, the power of Jesus gave this man the ability to begin to walk again. Not only that, but the, the, the passage last week in Acts 3 says that he jumped and praised and leaped and, and, uh, and, was, and had a whole new life, had a whole new experience of life. And as a result of that miracle then, it gave a Peter and John, these leaders in the early church, a chance to explain to people what they were seeing. You've seen this miracle. You've seen the power of Jesus raise this, or, or not raise this man from the dead. That happens too. But this man... Uh, begins to walk again, and so Peter and John get to explain and get to give credit to God last, last week in chapter 3. They get, make sure that people know that miracle, that power is from Jesus, and, and Peter and John then proclaim the gospel of Jesus, that it's, that it's for followers of Jesus that can be connected, forgiven of our sins, and connected to God. He, Peter and John proclaimed in our in our passage last Sunday that Jesus is the promised rescuer, the jewish people god 's people had long awaited this promised Messiah, this rescuer who would come and, and change everything and and unfortunately. Some of these of God's people were missing that Jesus was the promised rescuer. So John and Peter proclaim that, that Jesus lived and died and rose again, and he is the promised rescuer, and it's in him, if we repent of our sin and turn to him in faith, that we can have life. And so that's what's leading up to our passage this morning. So then look with me at Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, Peter and John and these other followers of Jesus, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So what's going on here is you've got these Jewish religious leaders who have unfortunately missed the boat and and are awaiting this promised rescuer but have not yet connected the dots that the rescuer here and that his name is Jesus and and not only that but you have these groups of religious leaders uh, among God's people some who believed in the resurrection of the dead and some who don't the Sadducees uh, don't deny even though the Sadducees were uh, God-fearing people believing the scriptures in the Old Testament they denied that the resurrection of the dead was a thing and so that's why they're annoyed with what Peter and John are teaching about Jesus so back to verse 3 So these Jewish religious leaders arrested Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the good news of Jesus believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Despite persecution, despite these difficulties that the early church now begins to face, the good news proclaimed has God-sized results. Isn't that glorious? We saw those God-sized results in last week's passage. We see them again here, that when the good news of Jesus is proclaimed, God's responsible for responses, and these responses are incredible, and the church begins to grow with Jesus' followers. And the next day, so the next day, they've been. so Peter and John have been thrown in jail. The next day, there's a hearing where they bring Peter and John before these religious leaders. So let's look down at verse 7. These leaders inquired of Peter and John. By what power or by what name did you do this? And then, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak. And we're going to get to those words in a, in a, in a couple moments. What does what Peter filled with the Spirit say? But I want to stop for just a second and make sure that we're, we're tracking and we're on the same page here, here we have this phrase that Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if you've been studying with us, back in chapter 2, we already studied that the Holy Spirit had arrived and, had, and empowered followers of Jesus. And if, and if you've had a chance to consider what God's Word teaches, I can remind us this morning that the Bible teaches us that upon sal- our salvation... That when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we realize that we can't save ourselves, when we turn to God, when we repent of our old ways and turn to Jesus, we are saved. And when we are saved, part of our salvation is that God Himself, by the Holy Spirit, comes to live within us. Fact. If you're a follower of Jesus, God Himself, by the Spirit, lives within you. And so, so why is it referring to, and I always be clear, this is for all believers. All true followers of Jesus have the Spirit of God living within them. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to hope for it. You don't have to ask that there's proof that the, the Holy Spirit is in your life. You don't have to ask for him again. The Holy Spirit lives within you and is never going to leave you. So then, so then what's up with this phrase that Peter then was filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it reminds me of other places in Scripture, like on the screen. And we see in Ephesians chapter 5, this command that we as followers of Jesus should not get drunk with wine, do not be influenced, do not be under the influence of wine, but rather be filled, be under the influence, be guided by who? The Spirit of God that lives within you. So, so, so there's a couple of things going on here. And what's interesting about this Ephesians verse is it's written to followers of Jesus, to believers and believers have the Spirit of God indwelling them already, and yet they are commanded to be filled. And so I think there's a couple different things going on here, that as a follower of Jesus, when you become, when you, be, when you get saved, putting your trust in Christ, we have the Spirit of God living within us, and, we'll, and that Spirit will never leave us. And yet, Scripture is full of examples where God's people are filled with the Spirit, where, where there's these... These multiple fillings that come occasionally, and oftentimes what's happening is it's God working in them. It's God filling them with the Spirit uh, so that they will grow and be transformed and be more like Jesus, or so they will be filled with the Spirit and empowered to do what God has called them to do. We see example after example of God's people being filled with the Spirit so they are empowered for specific tasks. And that makes me think... uh, Of Galatians chapter 5 let's look at Galatians 5 on the screen but I say walk by the Spirit followers of Jesus learn to walk by the Spirit learn to live by the Spirit and here's what's going to happen you will not gratify the desires of the flesh our old selves our sinful nature our false idol selves you will not gratify all that for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh And then that passage, if we look down to verse 19, I'll I'll read from verse 19, that passage goes on to give examples of the desires of the flesh. If left to our own devices, if, if we go our own way, if we rebel against God, if we walk in our sinful nature, then the passage says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're, we're talking this morning, I just I, I, this is kind of like we just paused our passage in Acts when we saw that word filled with the Spirit, and I want to make sure that we're on the same page, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God with, living within you, and yet the Scripture makes it clear that, that we are to then walk by the Spirit that we are to live our lives in accordance with the Spirit's guidance. And so now in this passage in Galatians 5, we get, we get negative examples of, of what life looks like when we're left to ourselves and when we walk in our own ways and we walk in our sinful nature and we allow our false self, the things we've created about ourselves, and what's important to us and where I get my identity from and where my worth is from. If we do all of that, it leads to the things I just listed. So we need to put those to death. And God wants to help us. Put those things to death. This is why we talk in language about repentance, to turn away from our sinful selves, to turn away from our sinful desires. Every day when we recognize those, those ugly things that bubble out of our hearts and minds, we want to repent, turn away from those, and turn to the living God by putting our trust in Jesus. That's the opportunity we have in repentance is faith, is to put these desires of the flesh to death. And, man, I'm going to, like, take a side note from the side note, I guess. Here's a book. We'll put this book on the screen. This book is excellent. And I know the title's a little hard to read. The title is The Death of Porn, Man of Integrity Building a World of Nobility. This book is excellent. It's just out recently. I just finished it a few weeks ago. This book is an inspiring, uh, challenging call to walk by the Spirit and put to death the desires of the flesh. This book is an inspiring, challenging call to walk by the Spirit to, into our identity. Why does the title say a world of nobility? He, the author is spurring us to walk as, in our, as our identity, as God's people, as his sons and daughters. And, and, and as we lean into that to defeat uh, evil and have victory over sin so that we can live for Jesus, so I, I'm, I'm putting this up here because I want to say whether this, is an area of, whether this is currently an area of struggle for you or not, buy the book and read it, men. That's my invitation. Um, I know this is not just a problem for men, but I, I will say that this book was, was uh, an excellent read, and this book specifically is written from the perspective of a, of a man or a father to a son. He's written the chapters like letters, from father to son, and so it's definitely a little bit more, I think you, you women could read it for sure, I think it just, will, it just won't, you know what I'm saying, it's written to men, but I know this is an area of struggle, can be an area of struggle for women too, and, um, and, and frankly, I wish I'd have had more time before recommending this book to be able to, to recommend a good resource um, for you, but let me know if that's something that I can, that I can help with. Our culture might be trying to impress the idea that this is just okay. Our, tr- our culture might be trying to say, hey, everybody does it. No big deal. But church family, please don't let that creep into the family of God and into your relationship with Jesus. I fear that even in the Christian community, this is becoming an acceptable sin. Huh? Not sure what to do with about it, so we'll just let it go. No, fight like hell. It's hell. Pushing into your following Jesus, so fight it like hell. Sorry for yelling. This is a hard topic, and it's destroying followers of Jesus, and it's destroying marriages, and it's destroying lives, and we need to fight it like hell. But I said this book was inspiring and encouraging, and I'm in it, I'm in it. This book will have some kick in the pants for you, but what's awesome about this book also, when you men grab it and read it, and it's not that long, you can do it, it it, it will have some kick in the pants moments. Whether this is a current area of struggle for you or not, I would urge you to get it and read it. It'll have some kick in the pants moments, but it is an inspiring call, it raises the bar, it sets a a goal, it sets who we are in Jesus, it sets this vision for what God wants to do as you and I fight that garbage off. And the reason I'm up here getting all fired up about it is because uh, I know you can kill it. I know from experience, too much experience, that it can be killed that you can be enslaved to sin for years and then find victory in Christ and freedom from that sin for years. And I want it for you. And I pray desperately for it for you. And then I pray that God would use it to make a difference in the lives of people around us who know Jesus and don't know Jesus because it's a mess. That was a long side note to a side note. If I didn't mention it, buy the book and read it. (laughs) Okay. It's okay? Thanks, brother. I'm going to take a drink before I keep yelling. So, Galatians 5 has a list of difficult things that should examine our hearts about what it looks like to... Walk in the desires of our flesh. And thankfully, Galatians 5 continues and shows us that walking by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, learning to live by the Spirit's work in our life looks like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And against those things, there's no law. And those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh and its desires and its passions. Those who, let me read that again, those who belong to Jesus have crucified, have killed off the garbage. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also then keep in step with the Spirit. And then we, as we go back to Acts, our Acts chapter 4 this morning, what I'm saying is that despite adversity, despite fear of man, despite fear of rejection, Spirit-filled witnesses do what? Bold. despite adversity, spirit-filled witnesses mutter incompetently about what's written on the screen. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I just love when you track with me and when you talk to me and then I don't feel like I'm up here just, you know, talking to myself. So, despite adversity, spirit-filled witnesses do what? Boldly proclaim Jesus. Jesus. This passage that we're in in Acts chapter 4 demonstrates the truth of that statement. And so then, if that statement is true, what does it make you want to know? If I read that statement, what I want to know is, okay, well then, how can I be filled? If I read that statement, I, want, I know I have the Spirit. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've given my life to Him. I know the Spirit lives within me, and yet the Bible is commanding me to be filled, and so I want to be filled. I want to walk by the Spirit. And so the other thing we're going to do as we go through this passage in Acts 4 this morning for another few minutes is I'm going to stop along the way and mention these hallways where the Holy Spirit is active. This is a, just an just a expression that I picked up from a mentor and that he got from somewhere else and we could put that slide up please, hallways uh, where the Spirit is active. And it's just to give us a picture of the fact that the Spirit's activity is, is sort of more apparent and we know from reading our Bibles, there are places where the Spirit's activity is more prevalent or where we know God by His Spirit is working. And so we want to think of it like this, that there's these hallways running of where the Holy Spirit is active and, and, and being filled by the Spirit is something that God needs to do. You're, you're not in charge of being filled by the Spirit. But my mentor suggests that we can put ourselves in these hallways where there's Spirit activity, and that gives me an opportunity then to be interacting with the spirit and to be aware of the spirit's working and for this and giving God an opportunity if God works in my life in such a way as to fill me with the spirit so we want to put ourselves in these hallways we want to know what God's word says and we want to put ourselves in these hallways where the spirit is active and give ourselves an opportunity to be filled by the Spirit, so that we can walk by the Spirit, so that we can obey Jesus, and so that we all have what we need to live as witnesses. If we put ourselves in the hallways and we give our God an opportunity to fill us by His Spirit, then we will have everything we need to live as witnesses who boldly proclaim Jesus. So hallway, the first hallway we want to mention this morning is that when we use our spiritual gifts to serve others. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are not your natural skills and abilities that you were born with. There are things that we tend to be good at, or things that we've learned, or things that we've been trained in. Those are awesome to have those skills and abilities. I'm not talking about those. Those are things that all people have, whether they know Jesus or not. Spiritual gifts are not those natural abilities, but spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities that only come for followers of Jesus as we our trust in Jesus and are saved and the Spirit comes to live within us. Part of having the Holy Spirit in our life are these spiritual gifts, these God-given abilities that are supernatural, that are His working in our life. And are these spiritual gifts so that I can really look impressive? Boy, look at me and my spiritual gifts. Is that why we get spiritual gifts from God? We get spiritual gifts from God so that we can give Him the glory. We get spiritual gifts from God so that we can use those to serve others, to serve our church family, and to serve those who are far from Jesus. Uh, and so it's, uh, we've already seen some of these uh, spiritual gifts in action in the book of Acts. We've seen followers of Jesus that have the gift of speaking, teaching. We've seen uh, in the book of Acts followers of Jesus who have the spiritual gift of, of hospitality, of, of helps. We've seen in our study of Acts so far already um, People with the spiritual gift of generosity, giving of their their time, energy, and their financial resources for the sake of Jesus' work. Uh, These are all spiritual gifts that we've seen in action already. If you're more curious, you can jot down Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. You can go to those places in Scripture later, and you can read more about some of the spiritual gifts. You'll You'll hear things like mercy is a spiritual gift, leadership, wisdom, faith, encouragement. As as a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit living within you, and you have a spiritual gift or more that are for you to share with others for God's glory. And, And you'll discover, probably, if you haven't already, what that spiritual gift is. Here's one thing I always encourage people. I wouldn't worry too much about what your gift is. Just jump in and serve. Just be yourself with God living in you and God wanting to live the life of Jesus through you, Just jump into life and serve other people. Do do what comes natural. Do what you feel God telling you to do. Begin to find a place where you can serve and care for the church family. And I think what you'll discover or other people will help you discover is, I see this at work in you. I think you might have the spiritual gift of. So, So don't worry too much about what it is. Just jump in and serve God by serving others. Uh. Where are you using your gift, church family? Where is your spiritual gift being put into action in our church family or in our community or in the world? Where is, has God gifted you and called you to serve and make a difference for Jesus? Uh, there are opportunities everywhere. There are opportunities here in our church family where, where uh, the right people are needed, Uh, It's such a blessing to continue to see new faces every week here at Faith Church and greet you and welcome you, and and, and we're glad that you're here and that you want to follow Jesus with us. Those new faces, those new families come with youngers. Youngers mean that we have opportunities, church family, to go over in that room over there and hold babies. You're needed, and that's a significant role. Uh, Pastor Matt this week wondered aloud if we need uh, people to serve as toddler wranglers. I'm sure he meant that in the most positive sense, right? Right, Matt? It's a joyous job, toddler wrangling. And, uh, and, and on and on, right? We, we have ushers who serve behind the scenes here on Sunday mornings and make it possible for us to gather together. There's musicians and vocalists that work with Pastor Matt to help us lift our voices in music worship. We have, uh, we, we've already seen Pastor Jacob here earlier talking about his team of people that, that care for, that show their care for our junior high and high school students. Um, he, Pastor Jake this morning talked about our facility team. Our facility team is kind of already in place, but we're looking for lots of you to get online and fill out that facility helper form if you're just a, available occasionally, uh, have a skill, don't have a skill, just willing to work, help with a project as they come up. We're looking for that kind of help. Uh, we have hospitality teams that, that provide food and coffee for Sundays and for special events. And, and I can't possibly mention all the places where God would love you to use your spiritual gifts to serve our church family or to serve Dallas or to serve the world for the glory of Jesus. So, so look for those opportunities. Ask around for those opportunities and jump in. And you'll be putting yourself in a hallway where the Holy Spirit is active. Many of you are serving. We are thankful for you. Uh, many of you are serving in multiple areas, and, and, I, and I love it, and we're thankful, and yet you kind of wish it wasn't necessary, because many hands make light work, right? There's a spot for everyone. Every role is significant. Every, God uses every uh, role, small or large, up front or behind the scenes, to, to work so that His people can, uh, so that people can hear the good news of Jesus. So there's a spot for you. Uh, don't assume there's nowhere for you to serve. Don't assume that you don't have a, uh, something to offer your church family. Let us know if we can help you um, find a place to serve, use your spiritual gifts, put yourself in a hallway where the Spirit is active. So despite adversity, Spirit-filled witnesses do what? What? Boldly proclaimed Jesus. So let's now, finally, man, I was a cliffhanger. We heard that Peter, this early leader in the church, was filled with the Spirit. And then I just trailed off and I went on all these tangents. So let's see how Peter put his Spirit-given gifts into action for God's glory. Look with me at verse 7 to remind us what was happening. The Jewish leaders inquired of Peter and John, By what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what, and by what means this man has been healed... Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 10, says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, it's by him, it's by Jesus that this man is standing before you well, walking, leaping, praising. Amen? Peter proclaims it's by Jesus that this this, uh, man disabled from birth is now walking again. Verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The gospel is the spectacular good news that God rescues sinners through Jesus. Earlier, we lifted our voices in song and sang the words, our hope is built on nothing less then Jesus' blood and righteousness, the gospel is the spectacular news that God doesn't leave us stuck in our sin, but he sent the promised rescuer to come and get us, to make a way for us to be reconciled with God, to be put forgiven of our sins and be made right with God and adopted into God's family. And Peter said there in verse 12, there is no other name than Jesus under heaven by which you can be saved. It's by the grace of God that we are saved. It's not by our efforts, by working, by striving, by matching up. It's by grace that we are made right with God and church family. And it's the grace of God that carries us forward in, the life, uh, in living the Christian life. I read this week in a book. This, just, this just, just hit me in an awesome way. I read this week that our spiritual growth, that our maturing in Jesus is, is is inevitable. In Jesus, if you are a true follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to him and God by his spirit is active in your life and working, we we sometimes struggle and think I got to try and I need to grow and I still mess up and what am I supposed to do to please God? I, I just am so thankful that God's grace rescues us from sin and death and makes us a Christian in the first place and then God's grace carries us along. Our spiritual growth is inevitable. The spirit of Jesus lives within us, and he wants to live his life through you, making us a new person, transforming us from the inside out, and calling us to boldly proclaim Jesus despite adversity. And that's what we get to see here from Peter as well as we keep going, verse 13. So now when they saw the what? Boldness, courage, when they saw the courage, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. I love this. Peter and John have, given, have been given this opportunity to explain what, what God is doing. There's then this miracle. This man is healed. He's walking again. And now Peter and John have the opportunity to proclaim the good news of Jesus and tell people where that power came from. And they're talking, and they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And it says in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they thought, man, these guys are uneducated, common men. Now, that's not a knock. I don't think they're necessarily uh, knocking these guys down. I think what they're pointing out is, you know, these are not the professional religious people. These are not the guys that went to rabbi school. These are just people. And look at their boldness. Look at their courage. Look at the clarity by which they proclaim the good news. Even in the face of adversity, they just walked out of a jail cell. I love this. It says, So they see this about Peter and John, their boldness, and and despite them being educated, common men, they were astonished. And then what's the next part? And they recognized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. They see these guys proclaiming in boldness and courage and proclaiming the good news, and they say, man, wow, they're not professional religious people. I'm impressed at their boldness. They must have been with Jesus. So back up for a second. What's the first thing we said they notice about Peter and John in what's the, in verse 13? What's the first thing they noticed? Boldness. There's a there's a spirit-inspired a spirit-empowered courage, confidence in Peter and John. It's not their own efforts. It's not their normal personality traits. It's not that they've never have had a fear about being rejected or had a fear of man and not God. It's that, it's that they have a Holy Spirit-inspired, empowered confidence, courage, boldness, and it's apparent to the people around them. And then, and, and, why, and, and why should that so surprise us? Because we said this morning what we're going to be learning is that despite adversity, spirit-filled followers of Jesus boldly proclaim Jesus, right? And so that's what they're doing. And then what else does it say in verse 13 that they noticed about Peter and John? Yep, and we said that we already talked about, okay, they thought they were just normal people. Not the fancy, trained, schooled religious leaders. Now, what else did they notice about Peter and John? They recognized that they had been with Jesus I, I always I always read that verse and I'm so inspired. I think it's so cool. Like I'm, I love that they noticed that about Peter and John and said, "Wow, they must have been with Jesus." And then, of course, it makes me ask a tough question of myself: What do people see when they look at me? Or who do people see when they see my life? What will people notice about you, Faith Church family, when you're interacting with the world? When people see your words and your body language and your facial expressions and your deeds, what will they notice? Where will they think that comes from? Do our words and our actions, do my words and actions cause people to notice and say, man, that guy must have been with Jesus? Another hallway where the Holy Spirit is active is God's Word. We need to be with Jesus. Follower of Jesus, you need to spend time with Jesus. And one of the best ways that we spend time with Jesus is by spending time in God's Word, in the Bible, in reading this amazing gift from God, His written Word to us. It's going to take time. For me, it's early in the morning, or it's not going to happen. It's gonna take a pretty decent amount of time. So for me, it means painfully earlier awake, be awake than I would prefer. But I gotta tell you something. Uh, there's been times in my life, start some. Here's my, one encouragement. If you need to begin to establish a pattern of being in God's Word, start somewhere. Don't, don't need, you don't need to have grandiose goals about every day or how many hours a day you're gonna spend in God's Word. Start somewhere. That's my encouragement. It'll be a, it's an improvement. It'll be great. God will use it. Start, if it's one day a week, if that's all you got, start there. If it's 10 minutes on that day, if that's all you got, then start there. But you know what's going to happen? If, if what happens to me happens to you, it's going to be that the more that becomes regular, the, the, short, the longer and longer I want it to be. The more it becomes regular, the more time I spend in God's word, in prayer, in reading tools that tell me about God's word, the more I, I miss it when I don't. The more I want to sit there even longer. And my alarm clock doesn't, my alarm clock self doesn't like it. But then I end up blessed. And so I just am telling you, church family, it's going to take time. It's going to take a commitment. It might mean early. It might mean you need to find a place of silence and solitude. For me, it's before the rest of my house is awake or it's not going to happen. Uh, You need your Bible. And really, that's it. I mean, there's a lot of other great tools, apps, resources, journals, Holy Spirit pens with the Holy Spirit ink. No, I mean, they'll try to sell you that stuff, but you don't need it. Just get your Bible and know that you, a follower of Jesus, have the Holy Spirit of God living within you and that you can look into the Word and that the Spirit will reveal to you what He wants you to know. You can do it. Start in small chunks. If you don't already have a habit of spending time in God's Word, get something started. And talk with, a, if you have a Christian, if a, a, a brother or sister in Christ, someone you know who's a follower of Jesus, who you respect their uh, walk with Jesus, ask them for ideas. What do, you, what do you do? How do you connect with Jesus? You know, when do you, when do you spend time? What do you read? Where should I start reading? I mean, there's, talk to anyone, talk to our staff, our elders, another Christian you know. And ask them how you can get started in in that hallway where the Holy Spirit is active of being in God's Word. There's a lot of demand on your time, isn't there? Or is it just me? Is there a lot of demand on your time? Is there a lot of places your time and energy could go? And I just want us to ask, are we going to try to live our lives on our own strength Or are we going to try, or or, or are we going to live our lives having first been with Jesus? That's where I want to be. I want to live Jesus Jesus in me, living his life through me, having been with Jesus. So let's read a little bit more of our passage here. The Jewish leaders uh, confer. And get together and go, what do we do with these two guys? They did this miracle. What are we going to do with them? We arrested them. Now we're talking to them. Verse 16. What shall we do with these men? For that, a notable sign. This miracle has been performed through them. It's evident to everyone in Jerusalem. We can't deny it. This man was not walking. He is walking. Verse 17. But in order that it may spread no further, we don't want word to get out. God forbid people beginning to think that Jesus is important. Let us warn these men, Peter and John, not to speak about Jesus anymore. It's really sad what's happening in 17. What's happening in 17 is that these Jewish religious leaders, instead of dealing with the question at hand, who is Jesus? Is he the promised rescuer? Does this miracle confirm that he is the rescuer? Sadly, in verse 17, these Jewish leaders don't even deal with the question of Jesus and his message They go, man, this this is going to cause problems for us. We're the religious leaders. We don't need people thinking too much about Jesus. We want to control public opinion. So, hey, Peter and John, don't talk about Jesus anymore. Verse 18. So they called Peter and John and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. But as for us, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. What Jesus has done for me, he was dead and he's alive again. We cannot help but speak of him. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of time for another tangent, but, but it is important to recognize in this passage. We've grappled with this a lot in the last couple of years as followers of Jesus. The scriptures are clear in several places that we are to honor our governing authorities, submit to our governing authorities, respect our governing authorities. And there's plenty of times in which I think that is a Christian's call. Our responsibility. The Bible is clear that all authority has been given by God, that all the authorities in place in our culture, governing, you know, uh, political, government, etc., are put in place by God. And so there's times when we are to honor, submit, respect. But here's an example that we just read of there are times that come when the authorities say something that stops the gospel of Jesus from being proclaimed. If what the authorities are saying is, you can't teach Jesus, or if the authorities over us are saying something that goes explicitly against something that God commands in this book, then, we, then, then there are times when we follow Peter and John's example in this passage and say, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, we're going with God. Verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, they let Peter and John go, finding no way to punish them, because the people for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on, this, on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. We should have said that last week, right, when we learned about his healing. So when they were released from jail, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. <laughs> so, so Peter and John get thrown in jail, get out of jail, come back to their friends, and tell them, hey, you'll never guess what they said. They, think, they, they told us not to preach Jesus. Verse 24, and when the rest of these followers of Jesus heard that, they lifted their voices together to God. What could we call that? What's lifting your voices together? Prayer. These followers of Jesus hear from Peter and John what was said to them, they go to prayer And so they begin to pray, and and, and what do they pray? They pray, take away the persecution, Lord. This is too hard. We are fearful. Make our lives easier. Is that in there? I didn't give you time to read it, but that's not in there. That's why we keep our finger in the text. That's why I was just goofing to see if we're paying attention. Peter and John come back and say, hey, you guys, guess what? They told us not to preach Jesus. And so the people go to prayer. And they don't pray those things, we're afraid, make it easier, God, this is too hard, we don't need persecution. No, that's not what they pray. They, they recognize, oh, really? The leaders don't want us to be bold? The leaders don't want us to preach the gospel of Jesus? Okay, verse 29. Here's what we're, and now, Lord, their prayer, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all, what? Boldness. They don't want us to be bold? Okay, let's pray to be bold. They told us we can't preach Jesus? Okay, let's pray for courage to preach Jesus. Hallway, that's another hallway where the Holy Spirit is active, is prayer. Romans 8 tells us that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit of God intercedes for us. When we go to prayer, when we decide to pray, it's a place where the Spirit is active. When we serve and use our spiritual gifts, the Spirit is active in our spiritual gifts. When we uh, gather with other believers, the Spirit is active. When we read our Word, which, which was written by God through His Spirit, going to our Word is a place where the Spirit is active, and now we're just reminding each other that prayer is another place where the Spirit is active. And we already talked about prayer a lot a couple weeks ago, so you can go back and check out that sermon if you missed it um, two weeks ago. We talked a lot about how we as a church family, how we as individual, individuals can grow in our prayer life and become a people who pray, become a church family of prayer, how we can breathe in God's word and breathe it back out to God in prayer. But prayer is another place where the Holy Spirit is active, and we have an opportunity to put ourselves in these hallways that God might fill us by His Spirit so that we would have everything we need to live out our call to be witnesses, testifiers, disciple-makers. So we're just going to read the rest of the passage, and then I'm going to close in prayer. As we read the rest of the passage, notice that God's people—notice this about God's people. In the face of persecution, in the face of suffering— in the face of rejection, in the face of being told not to preach Jesus, as we finish the passage, just notice that they don't give up. They don't run for the hills. But filled with the Spirit, they don't shrink back, and rather they pray for boldness. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through your name, Uh, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to study from your word this morning. Father God, I uh, I pray that you would make us a people of your word and a people of prayer. I thank you for my church family who um, make it a priority in their week to, to gather together, to encourage one another, to point one another to Jesus, to put ourselves at your feet by hearing your scripture preached. Oh God, fill us with your spirit again and again. We know that as followers of Jesus, you live within us and you're not going anywhere. And yet, as Ephesians 5 urges us to... We want to be filled. So fill us again and again. Help us to be changed and transformed more into the image of Jesus. Help us to be um, filled with your Spirit so that we can live out your life in our spheres of influence. God, help us to be disciplined in spending time in your Word, that hallway where the Spirit is active. Help us to be disciplined, to spend time With and serving your people, where the spirit can be active in our spiritual gifts. God, help us to be disciplined in prayer, where your spirit is active. And God, I pray about Faith Church, the people, each person of Faith Church, I pray that the world would not be able to miss the fact that we have been with Jesus. I pray that when people see us and hear us and interact with us, they would know we have been with Jesus and that it's because of you we live. So help us to be humble and dependent upon the Spirit so that you get all the glory and honor. And as we're filled by the Spirit, give us confidence that you are working in us and through us. As we are filled by the Spirit, give us that Spirit-inspired, Spirit-empowered Courage to proclaim Jesus. Boldness to point people to new life in you. God, may Faith Church be the good news people. In his name we pray. Amen.